The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcasts where one of the hosts would never get called for 12 men on the field. Because he's not a man, team should roster a dog just for that reason. That's Lenny, Amina Kimes, and this is our first Tuesday episode in more than a month. I am so glad to be joined on this fine Tuesday morning. Uh, it's a lot more newsworthy than I thought it would be, or yeah. news-packed. Dominique Foxworth, welcome back to the hey, show. Hey, buddy. I mean, neither of the hosts of this podcast could get flagged for 12 men on the field. Just That's a good point. Saying. That's true. I didn't think about that. Didn't think that went through. Didn't think that went through. Okay, so you should roster a woman and a dog. Uh, Dominique, when I told you we were recording uh, our first pod back uh, this Tuesday, I saw Broncos Bills on the schedule, and I thought, eh. And this was weeks ago. Didn't seem that exciting to me. Ended up being not only an incredibly exciting game and an upset, but ultimately led to the ousting. This just happened of the Bills offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. If I had told you... After the Broncos got blown out by the Miami Dolphins, the infamous 70 points game that uh, they would not only beat Buffalo, but that the defense, I mean, this is an oversimplification, but that that performance would lead to the Bills offensive coordinator getting fired. What would you have said? I would have been shocked and I still am a little bit in shock. Like you mentioned, we're recording this early on Tuesday, so this is still fresh to us and fresh. I get it. I get that uh, they haven't been great offensively, but the coordinator hasn't seemed like he's the problem. I know some of our colleagues have been critical of the scheme that they've been implementing there, which is fine. But normally you get a little bit more time to adjust things, especially considering the amount of success that they've had uh, with Ken Dorsey as the quarterback's coach and as the offensive coordinator last season. I wanted to talk. I wanted to start off this podcast by being like, the the lamestream media is talking about the Bills. We're going to praise the Broncos, but I really can't do that because of this news. No. So, Broncos fans, sit tight. I do want to talk about your team and especially the turnaround on defense. But um, yeah, it, it's um, I think it's it's an interesting case. I, I I'll say this. I, I so so the the question is whether he was scapegoated, right? Like, let's not beat around the bush. Um, to I have to think. This is probably the, I mean, maybe it's recency bias. One of, if not the most successful offenses to get a coordinator fired. I, I posted the numbers through week 10. I'll just read them to you. First in success rate. So success rate is like a down to down thing. You know, you get this many yards at first down, second down, et cetera. Third in DVOA, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion rate, third in red zone efficiency. Uh, you might say, well, well, over the last month, this looked bad. Nope, over the last month, first in success rate, eighth in P EPA per play. But Dominique, here is the figure where the Bills uh, have not been very good. Worst in the NFL in turnover margin. That's kind of the story right there, right? Turnover margin. I guess. I mean, uh, to me, honestly, this suggests that there, and I guess this is where it's a drawback that I don't like talking to people. Because this suggests <laughs> that there is more going on than meets the eye. Like, uh, I know that there's drama in that uh, building around Diggs and the organization or Diggs and Allen. And we saw the tweets from Trayvon Diggs. But I hadn't heard that there was some issue 
with Dorsey in Allen or Dorsey and McDermott or Dorsey and anyone. But given the numbers you just presented and given the track record of the season before and given the history of this team, like they don't let people go. Like that's part of the problem. Mm. That's the reason why their window is closing now is like anybody who's been there that's been any good. They're like, no, keep them, pay them whatever they want. Keep them. Let's go get another old dude. And so them moving on from Dorsey, given all those things does not it, it suggests to me that there's more factors involved and again i don't talk to people because i don't know i got s- some sort of antisocial disease or something but anyway the point is not my mental health but that maybe josh allen didn't like how he was being coached maybe mcdermott didn't like what was going on because if anybody deserved to be fired after last night's game it was probably the head coach or the special teams coach with the how that game ended, not the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, so Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean were both extended right before the season. And when that happened, I was like, huh, really? Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, don't you want to kind of see how this one plays out, right? Because this is a team that sort of butted their head on the ceiling of the AFC championship game. Uh, which isn't to say that I, I think Sean McDermott's been a very good coach during his time yeah. in Buffalo. But I was just surprised that they didn't want to like hold on to that lever. And then yesterday, it's like, okay, well, what's the lever to pull here? Well, our defensive coordinator is gone, Leslie Frazier. Now, defense, uh, generally, I have trouble criticizing Sean McDermott because they've lost like two of their best players, Matt Milano and Tredavious White. Von Miller has not looked like Von Miller. I think despite that, they've actually kind of kept it on the rails uh, but, you know, last yesterday, and, and you, you're alluding to this, the, the end of game sequence with the second zero blitz that was kind of befuddling. And then, of course, the 12 men on the field that does fall on the head coach. Um, but, yeah, they I mean, I guess they could have they could still part ways with both guys. I'm sorry, but, Mina. Sure. I don't I don't want to I don't want to steamroll past this. So the second zero blitz, I don't hate that as much, but I get the reason why. Like they got a sack. It worked. I don't mind repeating that play. I I would like a better matchup with Judy than a safety, but that's fine. Whatever. Well, I I, I was just going to say I could I could excuse that. We could have a conversation about that decision. That's a reasonable coaching decision. So what is not reasonable is the 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 12 men on the field. That that is sorry. Go ahead. No, no, let's talk about it because I do think that's an interesting it, – it was an interesting moment and an interesting call because, you know, the Broncos, they had gotten that underthrown DPI. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and and so it looked like the game was over, and then they had that first successful blitz that really took them – I think they were on about the 50, if I remember. No, they took them out of – right out of field goal range. So it's like, okay, right now you're. it was an interesting situational call because – they were right at that point where if they had gained five to 10 yards ish on the play, you're probably at the cusp. Well, it turns out not at the cusp because the kicker missed the field goal, whatever. You're at the cusp there. So my question to you is like, do you call any sort of pressure in that situation? It's a really interesting. Yeah. uh, So that's why, that's why I would expect, that's why I can excuse that. Like, that makes sense. I could easily rationalize that decision as a smart decision, especially since the, they're moving the ball. You, The reason why they started blitzing was they weren't stopping. <laughs> they were moving the ball down the field, and then they blitz to try to get something. That's the first that worked. 
do it again. That seems reasonable mm. to me. And honestly, like one of the reasons we've talked about this before, how my, my rookie year in Denver, we ran a bunch of zero blitz. And what we realized was there are no offensive plays for zero blitzes. Like there just really aren't anything that you can prepare for the, the zero blitz pretty much stops them. You're going to get a guy in man coverage. You have to throw a quick contested pass. The tough thing is if you don't practice it enough, your secondary is not aware that zero blitz means they're going to throw it immediately. And it's either going to be a quick pass or a deep pass. That's all you have time for a deep ball with a lot of air under it or a quick one. That's uh, just like a dart. You don't have time to run a dig, a corner route, nothing intermediate, no double moves, none of that stuff. So once he gets past three yards, four yards, you turn and sprint. And that's not what happened. Murphy, I think, was in coverage and he was squatting there. It's like, I'm going to take this away. I'm going to take this away. The pressure takes away all the intermediate stuff. And then he outruns him. And it seemed clear to me that Russell Wilson, who throws a great deep ball, intentionally <laughs> underthrew yes. that ball to make sure that there was no chance. Because oh. had he thrown a good ball, we have a touchdown. He had great pressure like in his face, though, too, right? So, again, right. it was like That's pretty fair. close to getting home. It was on the – so, okay. So, I, I, for some reason, I said the DPI was first. I meant to say it was on that play. They were at the 45. It's right there. Right there where, you know, if you get a stop, uh, it's a very long field goal. It is – I think to your point, it is the kind of thing where like if it had worked, we'd be like, what a genius. Nobody thought saw that yeah. second zero blitz coming. Um, so, it was a little bit of a dice roll. But yeah, I don't know. I, it feels, mm, I don't know. Judy, that's a tough matchup. It's yeah, you know, I don't like that part. Of it. The, the matchup is the matchup is bad. But the result of the play is not a bad one. It looked bad, but what you mentioned is Russell Wilson throwing a prayer ball up in the middle of the field, like <laughs> after he just finished, kind of picking you apart right there. I mean, I don't hate. It. I don't know. It, it feels like I could go to either way. That's not as egregious a mistake as the the Broncos nailing the ball. Yeah, I know. Three times so in a row. So bailed out. So bailed out. Three times in a row they nailed the ball. And at no point did Sean McDermott or anybody on that sideline think, hey, why don't we get our field goal team in there or our field goal block team in there because you know what they're going to do? They're going to kick a field goal. Yeah. That would be what we'd be talking about today if not for the 12 men penalty. But let's go back to the offense because that's yeah. that is what we were talking about today. Um, I, I, I guess I want to be clear. I'm not... I, I don't mean to say that Ken Dorsey was perfect, I guess. Uh, there have been games where situationally um, I've been a little bit confused by run pass balance at times. Uh, like a lot of people, I've, I've felt like Josh Allen's legs could have been utilized more during the season. I think um, I was talking a little bit with Orlovsky and we, I, I was saying, well, this feels like a game where like the Broncos are a sneaky bad matchup because they have a locked darn corner and certain lock takes down. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the bills lack of a reliable number two is, is a real problem against defenses with a very, very good cornerback being out digs. And he was like, yeah, but I felt like they could have done more to get digs open, moved him around a little bit more. And I, I think that's fair. My point is just that like the, he, those stats aren't cherry picked. They're holistic. Yeah. I actually They're think when you when you point to like a bad play call, that's more cherry picking than saying yeah. on right. the whole, you can even break so, it down by different points of the season. This offense was efficient. That's not cherry picking. That's totalistic. They just turned the ball over. And I thought Nate Tice, a friend of mine, 
you guys know if you listen to the show, uh, pointed out how terrible the field position has been. Right. Those That's what's going on here. So there's a bunch of things to respond to. So first, the digs point. All right. I get it. Move your guy <laughs> around. Get him positions to get plays. But I am of the belief, and maybe the corners, not maybe, the corners in the league are much better now uh, than – I was in probably overall the corners were in the league. We've had this conversation before. I believe it's because they have grown up playing this game and they are not adjusting to it. They have been playing the same game the whole time, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I am of the belief that the rules and the game are tilted in the favor of the offense. If you have a true number one receiver, you should not have to concoct crazy schemes to get him open. If the cornerback is on the other side, if the cornerback on the other side is so good that your true number one receiver can't get open, then that receiver should be a decoy. That's fine. He can be a decoy. The problem is they don't got nobody else. And so if you are able to take Patrick Sertan out of the game, I consider that a win for the Bills. Like you're taking this corner out of the game. That's cool. Now we got all these other guys to match up with, and we have a great cornerback. I mean, a great quarterback. They should be able to get something done. They ran the ball better than they have in a long time, but somebody else got to catch the ball, and Josh can't make mistakes just before halftime where it wasn't even a – like sometimes I excuse Josh's bad passes because he's capable of making wild plays, so I don't want to stop him from trying to do them. But the interception just before halftime was just a terribly inaccurate throw. (laughs) That was a bad throw. But it's not just Josh, right? Like we got the, the team, like the the fumbles, the drop, like the Don yeah. KK, catch that ball, catch the ball, yeah, right. Like this is, yeah. I, I think, personnel deserves a way more criticism than they've got. Brandon, Brandon Bean. Bean, yeah, dude. Like, I'm looking it, at their drafts over the last few years right now as we speak, looking for one time when Brandon Bean did his thing, and I don't see him. They're not Epinesa, great. I guess he's been good. This year, but well, that was twenty twenty. There's been there's Gregory holes. Rousseau is pretty good. There's yeah. yeah, but there's holes on this team, and I think um, yeah. also, like I feel like the offense needs like a Cole Beasley type. <laughs> yep. Like that's and uh, I, I I do like Kincaid a lot as a player, but it feels like they need like a a third down kind of move the chains type slot receiver who can benefit from those holes in coverage who has really, really good hands. I don't know. It's, but, but again, like we're looking for the problem and mm-hmm. this is an offense that's been exceptionally efficient moving the ball. They just turned it over and it's a defense that was her. I don't know. I, I just, there. Yeah. The, the reason why I pointed to there must be something else is because like, if you think about it, like, uh, like your life bar in a video game, he was nowhere near dead. Like Ken Dorsey had a lot more life left. It would seem like normally coordinators get a lot more time than that. I'm not even going to invoke the name of another coordinator who seems like he's been on his last life in Pittsburgh for a long time. I mean, Dorsey ain't asking for that much. So that's what I mean. Like I imagine in the coming days or maybe this off season, We'll get the tell all about what's actually going on, but they didn't fire him for performance, right? They fired him because of something else, a clash of philosophies at, at the least. Defensive head coach who just got extended. They love blaming their, 
I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, uh, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, suddenly the turnover luck turns and yeah. it's not just luck. I just it turns. It's not. I, I just think maybe they stop turning the ball over. Um, maybe they get better matchups. And, you know, then everyone's like, oh, Dorsey was the problem. I don't know. It's the, it was kind of like, I mean, they have the Jets next week. That's a very difficult defensive matchup. The Eagles, the Chiefs, woof. Dang! Next week they got they got the Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, and Cowboys over the next four weeks. So yeah. after the Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, and Cowboys, they got to keep pace with those offenses because this defense that's tra- that's a, that's a, a very challenging matchup. So we shall see. I I I I, I guess I'll just sum it up by saying it does feel a little bit like it feels like scapegoating because it's a midseason thing in addition to everything we've been talking about. But I also, to your point, there might be stuff we don't know about. This feels like, oh, we want to do something. The vibes are just so awful. I don't know. I I, I think I want to say this, and this is maybe a, a good point to transition to Denver. I also think like everybody still thinks that that 70 point game is like who the Broncos are. And yeah. I think what we're seeing is that, no, that was the way they started was the aberration. I'm not saying this is a particularly good football team or a great football team, but they're not who they appeared to be the first month of the season, um, as evidenced by the fact that over the last month, not just this game, like they, 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 they not only beat the Chiefs, they, they you know, put up a really good fight both games. Uh, ninth in EPA per play since week six on defense, and the offense has been generally pretty fine all along. Uh, so this team is not horrible. And I think that maybe also like influenced the way where we're like, I can't believe they lost the Broncos. Well, the Broncos don't suck. The Broncos just beat Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's kind of been lost in this. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of you, but mm, the <laughs> Bills back is against the wall. This is a game they got to win. They turned the yeah. ball over a bunch. Like, stop being bad. No, but 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 let's talk about the Broncos, right? Like okay, yeah, the Broncos are, was, are are much better. Yeah, yeah, they're better than they were. There is some encouragement. I think the most encouraging thing is we saw, uh, particularly in this game, we saw Russell Wilson do the things that some people were saying he couldn't do anymore, mm. like the amazing athleticism and deep ball accuracy like that touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton has got to be one of the top five or ten plays of the NFL season it was just amazing all the way around from the evasion in the backfield to the accuracy it looked like I expected Tyler Lockett to pop out of nowhere and catch that ball in the Mm -hmm. corner of the end zone and Cortland Sutton drags his feet so perfectly like that was something you can't coach and that's why you pay Russell that type of money they still ended up not scoring that many points but it is encouraging, I guess. Well, for the most part, Sean Payton didn't trust Russell Wilson to do anything. <laughs> I mean, they, right. they, they, this was, you know, which is kind of the formula we expected coming into the season, right? Like they really took the ball out of his hands. Even with that ball, he still averaged 3.2 air yards per attempt. Um, and, and they really leaned heavily on the run game. Uh, and yeah, I, I will say uh, to Wilson's credit, and and you kind of said this, he looks better moving than he has in two years right. to me. He looked better rather in this game. Um, I, you know, they didn't really get that much out of it, but 
there was that one play. And yeah, I think uh, Andrew Siciliano posted this. It was according to Next Gen Stats. That throw and the locket throw were actually statistically the lowest completion percentage probability throws of wow. like the Next Gen Stats yeah. era. So amazing, Crazy. amazing plays. I, I guess here's my question for you. Can, th- can that formula work? Run the ball. Russell Wilson has a few amazing plays. Few is even strong. It was like two or whatever, yeah. two or three. Is that enough? Like, can this team, uh, which is now no. in, in, incredibly five and five, sneak into the playoffs? No, not with that formula. They're going to have to get more out of their offense. I mean, it's just plain and simple because. Sorry, four <sighs> and five. My bad. Yeah. If, uh, and the AFC is a, a lot of good quarterbacks that can make great plays. Um, it just becomes such high variance offensively if you're not going to be consistently good and try to be like, all right, we'll just like tread water for the entirety of this game and hope Russell does something magical at some point to set us up for a big score on a fourth down. <laughs> like yeah. that to me seems like there'll be games when he does it. You'd be happy if he does it 50% of games and then you'll be in those 50% of games. Let's assume that you win 50% of the ones that you're in. That ain't enough to get y'all in the playoffs. You're going to have to develop some sort of offense that is more consistent because as much as the defense has improved, it ain't the defense from last year. It's not the one where if you score 17 points, uh, your team is going to win. They're going to need to improve on both sides of the ball, but particularly find something that they can hang their hat on offensively that is more aggressive than three air yard passes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the hope is like if you're that committed to running the ball, you, you're giving Russell some favorable looks, um, which again, they, they you know they had a few of in this game, but uh, they they didn't run the ball particularly well. They just ran the ball a lot, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know when I look at, I guess again when you look at the the teams, I just well no that was the Bills. Let's see who, you know, when you're looking at the AFC, it's like ooh, what a, what a cluster. Um, so the Broncos over the next few weeks, let's see who they have. So they, yeah, sorry, I said five and five. I was thinking of, um, the bills are five and five, the Broncos in the coming weeks have the Viking. That game suddenly got a lot more interesting. We're going to talk about the Vikings in the second half of this podcast, the Browns, the Texans, the chargers, the lions. That's a tough stretch as well. Um, I guess, yeah, they they would have to run the ball a lot more efficiently for me to feel better about this particular formula. Um, But at least they're interesting now. I I will say, like, it is a lot more. I I think the the defense still isn't as good as maybe some of us thought they would be coming into this season, but they have been really competent. I think, like, you've seen – I thought, shoot, they played – I mean, it helps when you have Patrick Sertan, but like Justin Simmons was awesome in this game. Yeah, um, they can play coverage. Uh, you know, they got Baron Browning back. I mean, he, he didn't do a ton in this game. They didn't really, actually, they didn't really get after Josh that much up front. But they have decent players on this team. They were never as bad as they seemed. I think that's just sort of what I come out of this feeling. There you go, Broncos fans. Not <laughs> as bad as losing by fifty. That's okay. And make the playoffs? Nah, probably not. Still got yeah. an expensive quarterback, expensive coach. All right, let's take a quick. <laughs> let's what? Take a quick you don't break. like the reality? I love Denver. I played there. Um, let's take a quick break. Come back and and talk about our winners and what's from the weekend. 
Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, it's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, we're back. I uh, tease this, so I'll just start here. Uh, as my first winner, I have the Vikings. The Vikings, who are six and four, have a 24, plus 24 point point differential very different from last year over the next few weeks they have the aforementioned broncos and then the bears and the raiders so dominique we're looking at a real possibility that uh we might have the nine and four minnesota vikings in december how do you feel about that 
great. <laughs> I mean, this is so much better experience uh, for yes. watching Vikings games yes. than the one from last season. Totally. <laughs> or last season, we in the media all were like, hey, guys, you guys aren't really that good. Oh, you won again? You still aren't that good, guys. Yes. You're not really that good. Wait wait till you get your ass kicked in the playoffs, and then they get their ass kicked in the playoffs. That is not fun. We are all Pastronaut fans. This is a lot more enjoyable and experience rooting for Josh Dobbs and uh, – this team that is playing better on defense, like they're playing better all around without um, Justin Jefferson or without Kirk Cousins. They're a fun team. And Josh Dobbs, like, let's be honest, that's what we want to talk about, right? Josh Dobbs. No, I want to talk about the defense. I love this defense. Oh, I nice. Okay, so, yeah, so I watched this game or their game from the weekend against Atlanta yesterday. And um, a few takeaways. Uh, Josh Dobbs. First of all, he was awesome in the first half, not so great in the second half. But I do think that they have, they, like, he, he makes every game. He, he's he, he's the kind of quarterback who um, just, I'm trying to think of, like, like inspires all those quarterbacking cliches. Like, he just finds a way, <laughs> right? But he does. And they, they call it good offense for him. He uses his legs. He will uh, throw the ball downfield. I thought TJ Hawkinson was outstanding. In this outstanding in this game, by the way, playing through injury, just unbelievable as a pass catcher and getting yards after the catch. Uh, and especially when Justin Jefferson gets back in the mix, suddenly, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is a feisty and fun offense. They were feisty and fun offense with Kirk Cousins as well. The defense is shocking, shocking to me yeah. relative to the preseason next week. I thought they would be terrible. I thought this was going to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Uh, so they are 10th in success rate, 11th in EPA per play on the season. Over the last month, those stats have even improved. Brian Flores, like, take a bow, man, because given, like, the ingredients that he's working with on that side of the ball, I think he deserves a world of credit for what they've accomplished. Yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, Daniil Hunter is – I'm trying to think of other people on that defense that – preseason we were talking about uh being Marcus like Davenport who's barely played he's barely yeah. played yeah that's fair nobody else on this defense is someone who we would was someone who we'd expect to get uh to make big plays and somehow this team particularly the secondary was a big issue but yes. uh they figured out a way to make this work like they're playing uh I mean I what was surprising for me generally is you think of, and I guess this is stupid of me to to kind of pigeonhole uh, coaches this way, but I expected aggressive man coverage with aggressive blitzing from the Vikings. And at least I, I didn't watch this particular game with that in mind, but generally I've seen more zone out of yes. them than I would have expected. And I guess that's uh, a product of the, talent i guess you or not the talent or the i don't mean it in the level of talent i mean the skill set of the players that you have and yeah, the, yeah i'm sorry go ahead no no no. You're, you're you're totally right they're aggressive up front but they're mostly playing zone on the back end and then the aggression up front is just insane <laughs> it's like uh the, the, the number one blitzing team in the league uh and that the 48%, but the kinds of blitzes and pressures are like on a down to down basis, absolute chaos. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Sims, creepers, 
blitzes with I, I, they are walking guys up, they're spinning them out, they're using, they're playing games up front. Um, the way they use their safeties, who, by the way, I think the safeties have been quietly like the stars of this team. Uh, Josh Metellus and Cam Bynum are um, playing with their hair on fire. The whole team, Dominique, plays with their hair on fire. Like they play zone on the back end, but they, they are flying to the yeah, ball. I, I think it's a good reminder. And because we do this for a living and we like micro analyze everything, and I think we want to find explanations for everything that we assume that the talent differential or not assume, but we project the talent differential being much bigger than it is not from team to team necessarily, but that too, mm. but from player to player and nobody's in the NFL who's bad, <laughs> you know, and like maybe they aren't great at everything and maybe they are a, a, a liability in certain situations, but everybody in the NFL is pretty good at football. Everybody in the NFL is pretty smart when it comes to football finding the best way to use these players. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes the best way to, to use a cornerback doesn't mesh well with the best way that you use your defensive line that gets you in trouble. But if you can find, if you can tweak all the yeah. formulas, just right, you can get the best thing out of your team. No matter the injuries, no matter the roster, like these are NFL teams with really, really good players <laughs> at all levels and finding ways to put them in positions to, and that goes back to the, like the thing we hear about Belichick not focusing on what players do poorly, but focusing on what they do well. If that's the one thing that Brian Flores learned from Bill Belichick, that and also that um, he was a, a a fake interview. That's the other thing that he learned from Bill Belichick. But the other one was useful <laughs> in building a team. Well, I think that's where he just deserves a ton of credit because we looked at this roster and we were like, okay, Brian Flores plays, he, he loves to blitz and he plays man coverage. Do you really want to leave these corners on islands? And I think he has come up with solutions in terms of getting pressure without completely, um, you know, asking too much out of these corners. There have been games, like I think the Chargers games comes to mind where because you're running into a quarterback who's like a super processor who's like bah, 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 you are going to suffer and, and you know good skill players with those corners but um i think in certain matchups uh this approach this one it, it was one i mean you know they, they put up some points especially when james winston came in uh <laughs> but i do by the way that's a whole thing i should talk about that at some point he i mean they the car's just been awful on the, i mean he was concussed in this game and winston came in and, and winston made some really boneheaded throws, but he also made some explosive th the touchdown to Olave. Like, it's, oh, it's ridiculous. Peak. Peak. <laughs> peak uh, peak anyways, but yeah, I, it does feel like he's getting the most out of guys. Like, I think, like, um, in this game, I thought, uh, you know, up front, uh, DJ Wanham was a name. I was I was like, dang, DJ Wanham, okay. You know, sure. Right. Yeah. I I think what I'm... I'm looking at some of their plays right now. And it seems to me like the, is it, you can make up for the, the physical challenges and with deception. Yes. And I think as a coach from a coaching standpoint, you would love to, and, and this is the, the classic group that people point to is like the classic Seahawks, or I guess the modern version of it would have been like how the 49ers were last year and used to be. It's like, if you have great talent, don't complicate this thing. You know, like, send them out there and let them play straight defense. If you don't, yeah, you run the risk of having mistakes, 
but you can complicate it a little bit yeah. and confuse the opponent. And they don't know when they have this opportunity to pick on whatever player. And if you can continue to do that, if you and keep them on their toes or on their heels, they're not sure when. That's, I mean, to go back to the top of the show, that's why you might argue don't zero blitz back to back. Because it's like, hey, we got you, tricked you. We had our guys at zero blitz, didn't have, you didn't get us. Don't do it again so that they then know you can get them. But generally, I feel like that's the best way. Uh, if I were, if I were a coach yeah. or a coordinator, I would practice like hell all the mental stuff because we can't make mistakes, but we are going to make this as confusing as possible for the opposing offense. A hundred percent. And I think that's a real trend in the NFL. When you look at the best pass defenses, it's the really, really talented ones. And then the crazy ones, uh, <laughs> and the chaotic ones. And, and I mean, just, yeah, the fact that he, you know, I, I uh, said this to Dan, he really should be in considered. I mean, it's a, I don't know if anyone cares about assistant coach of the year, but, but, and frankly, by the way, KOC should be considered for coach of the year too. Right. Yeah. Because when we look at those awards, we tend to be like, who are the guys who did the most with what they had. And, I think those two coaches, man, uh, have done an unbelievable job. Uh, but yeah, the astronaut rules. I love watching you. I they're I joked about they're America's team to me. Like they're because yeah. to be a, America's team, trademark rights reserved, you have to be fun to watch. You have to be surpassing expectations, uh, and you have to have really likable players. And they check yeah. all of those boxes right now. So yeah. I love you, Vikings. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Okay, let's do some woofs. Uh, who is your wolf? You go first. Uh, my first wolf is the Jag. Well, my only wolf is the Jags. Like, yeah. we've been talking about the Jags for a few weeks now, and they were kind of the sleeper team that uh, lost enough games early that they were off of our radar, but they were winning. And we were like, hey, Jags pretty good, pretty mm. good. Like what they're doing down there. Trevor Lawrence coming around. Uh, and then the 49ers come into their house. him. <laughs> it was embarrassing like to lose is one thing but to get dominated and they were in it i guess at halftime is 13 to 3 but this story this game was mostly about the 49ers defense returning the one that we thought they were going to be all year and they changed some things about the aggressiveness of their defense uh and it uh, the jags were not prepared and could not make any alterations to address it. But yeah, that's pretty sad for a team that is in one of the weakest divisions in football. Yeah. We thought they were going to coast mm, to here, here uh, them. Yeah, exactly. Them and the Colts. We we're like, eh, if you could beat the Colts and then the Colts would lose their starting quarterback. Like, oh, all right, Trevor Lawrence, get ready for your playoff run, ready to win this division. But also CJ Stroud, big win. That's also why the the Jags are big losers this weekend because I'm not sure who I believe in more right now, the Jags or the Texans, which is absurd considering how we felt around draft time. I'm going to talk more about the Texans on Thursday's pod, but I want to I want to ask you a question about the Jags. Um I think defensively with the Niners, the Niners are a team where like if if you're not if you don't go up on them, this offense will make you look right. terrible, right? And yeah. they did all the things that they do to defenses, zeroing in on that second level in particular, um, you know, run the football well. It, it, they just ran into a buzzsaw. I want to ask you about the offense because this was an offense that last season, second half of the season, was top five. Trevor Lawrence was playing like one of the five best quarterbacks in football. Uh, this year, when you watch them, I think what's so puzzling is 
personnel's not that different. I mean, is Zay Jones really the biggest different, right? Who, by the way, I think was, yeah. um, oh gosh, I got to get this right. Um, uh, I know he was accused of a domestic battery. I don't know. I didn't grab the actual uh, legal issues, but uh, it doesn't appear that he's going to be playing anytime soon. But let me ask you about um, this offense. What's wrong? <laughs> like when you watch well, them, is it is it Trevor? Is it the play calling? Is it that they can't run the ball? Is it the offensive line? Is it everything I just said? Well, yesterday they didn't stand, or Sunday they didn't stand a chance. They couldn't block them. And I think that the 49ers surprised them with some more aggressive play calling than they normally do. But they also have that front that is uh, a problem. And they added Chase Young to it, and it was a mess. So it's hard for me to be critical of Trevor Lawrence when he does not have the time. Also, I think back to, was it, it might have been the Texans game that they lost. I don't know. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I could look through their game log. But there was a game early in the season where Trevor Lawrence was, it was a lot like that Lamar game against Texans. the Steelers. Yeah, it was the Texans where Trevor yeah. was was drilling people with the ball. They just decided, eh, today we don't want to catch. So those two games stand out in my mind, the one because it's most recent and the other one because it wasn't on Trevor. I have no explanation for the rest of the games because they have Ingram and Ridley and Etienne, who all all three of those are quality skill players. Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned last year, was doing a whole bunch, uh, doing a lot better towards the end of the season. Then you put on top of it, whatever value comes from uh, playoff win experience, I think we have a hard time quantifying some of these psychological and emotional impacts, but I think we all agree that there is something that you get from like yeah. having a major comeback win in the playoffs. Like you feel better about yourself. That's why we all were somewhat high on this team coming in the season is how they ended last season in a big moment. And then to come out this year and to seem like a team that hasn't been there before, a team doesn't understand the the moment or understand how to make plays in those situations, that's confusing to me. And it's never, at least in my view, it's never been consistently one thing. The O-line yesterday, though, or Sunday, that, that was, was yeah. just atrocious. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence didn't play well, but, you know, he they, they didn't have a chance. And yeah. the O-line's been a problem. I talked about... Um, this last week, how his pressure numbers are misleading because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. Um, right. When he holds onto the football any length of time, over two and a half seconds, he's the most, which is outside of, you know, in rhythm throws, they call him. He's the most pressured quarterback in the NFL. More than Daniel Jones. 43% of dropbacks. That's an unsustainable <laughs> offense. Um, now, that's not to say, you know, again, I'm not saying like, oh, Trevor Lawrence he doesn't deserve any, I, again, I just said he didn't play particularly well against San Francisco, but that's non-functional. I think the question is like, okay, is it, I think to me in terms of like issues, um, uh, you have to ask, okay, like, well, play calling is really, really hard with that kind of offensive line and without a run game, but maybe that is like, it's funny coming off of the Dorsey conversation. Maybe this is one where they do. Doug Peterson needs to, take that back um right. yeah i don't know i mean like is it like ridley's usage how much of that is ridley versus uh how much of it is like they need to make him more of a focal point of the offense it felt like last year they had a really good feel for using evan ingram at times that's been an issue i don't know there's a lot of problems with this offense but it feels like something has to change 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's why initially I my point is I don't know what the answer is <laughs> yeah. for them. And I think their O-line's not good, but it's not uh, – I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a – I guess this goes back to the first point I was making about the Vikings is uh, I can't – I can't at this level give you this excuse. <laughs> you know, like yeah. figure something out. Scheme something up. They're already getting rid of the ball, or he's already getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. You have talent. It's not as if you are completely bereft of talent. I give you a pass if we are expecting you to create offense with Tommy DeVito. That's not what you're working with. Like, And your O-line isn't great, but it's not as bad as what New York is dealing with. So I don't know. It It seems like an oversimplification to name any one thing, which is always scary. Like when we talk about, yeah, I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with the Ravens at the end of games also. But, I mean, it's never the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's hard to fix it when you don't know exactly what it is. I think that it really does go back to that kind of our discussion at the top, which is like in the NFL, like so often we want like one thing to point to. Yeah. And the Bills chose their offensive coordinator. But – in the reality, it's a, it's a few things usually. Um, with the Patriots, however, I think, um, and that's my woof of the week. Uh, it's a little bit easier to play the blame game here, although it is of a few different things. So they're two and eight, it's the worst record in twenty plus years. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They, I think, are currently picking third according to Takeathon, but they seem on to be on track for a very high draft pick. However, the question of whether that will be high enough to get one of the quarterbacks is something that has yet to be determined. Um, and and they, they they lost to the Colts in Germany on Sunday with one of the worst interceptions you'll see of the season, Mac Jones at the end, followed by another terrible, a uh, very clownish series from <laughs> Bailey Zappi with the fake spy. I mean, I don't know. How much of that is Bailey Zappi's fault and just get thrown in? Anyways, uh, there's a lot of issues with this problem. Injuries on defense, bad drafts piling up, the quarterback not playing well, offensive line really struggled. I think what though, you know, th- this isn't, we don't need to have a conversation what's wrong with the Patriots, all of those things. The conversation that everyone is having, or I don't know if everyone's having, but the the question is, is Bill Belichick going to be the coach next year uh and i think it's a complicated one dominique because you know i mentioned that the patriots are going to have that high draft pick i think you the good what you have to ask is is he the right guy to shepherd and and he's one of the best he's the best coach in the history of the nfl but it's a i I do think it's reasonable to have a discussion do you want him as the head coach next year shepherding that next phase of the organization given the offensive struggles in particular and then how bad he's been as a GM and he has been bad yeah so some people were throwing around the idea that maybe they'll take the GM responsibilities from I don't think that that's something you can do given who he is and how long he's been there and everything he's meant to the organization I think this is a trap we fall in when we're talking about players also where we think about them as like a fantasy thing and don't take into account like how these things actually take place in practice. I have a hard time imagining a building where someone else is making the draft day decisions and telling Bill Belichick what he can and can't do or what players he can and can't coach. Like it seems like a, one of those things where you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. If you're going to move on from Bill Belichick, 
you got to move on from Bill Belichick. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's humbler, more humble than I think he is and more uh, flexible than I think he is. But I doubt it. So it's hard to look at the last five years and make an argument that he knows what he's doing and that he's the right person for them going forward. However, if the answer is you need a great quarterback, just so happens there are great quarterbacks in the draft. And if he, I would have a hard time moving on from a guy who won me six <laughs> goals. <It's scary. laughs> I mean, that's what it boils down to. I would really yeah, have a hard time doing that. And like, that's why I cut it into the last five years and, and all the time before that, because you can't really argue for him given that. Like, over the last five years, what can you point to and say, oh, that was a thing he did was good. That was special. That was smart. That was ahead of his time. That was trendsetting. That was a good well, defense idea. defense has been really good the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The defense has been really good. But what about uh, – it, was, it hasn't been anything new or special. And the only thing that I think about is, is them blocking that field goal, going in motion to, to block a field goal. Like, that was cool. Uh, the defense has been good. He's drafted – cornerbacks that play really well that's really good i take it back i'm a cornerback so bill belichick forever well, lifetime the contract. last the last draft does look good and then they lost christian yeah. gonzalez you know they lost matt judon this year with the, with the defense but like you know you're looking at keon white mapu but man the drafts prior to that and then of course the year that he splurged in free agency yeah um it's 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 not i mean the and then the coaching stuff it's not just yeah. the offense. I so um every I think I've mentioned him before. I think Evan Lazar does a fantastic job writing about the Patriots for patriots.com by the way, which is noteworthy cuz he is not afraid to criticize this team. And he had a note in his latest his takeaways from the game, which I, again I encourage people to read that I just I I laugh. It says statistically the Patriots have one of the worst special teams units in the NFL despite employing of course Bill Belichick, you know, a special teams guy one current special teams coordinator, one former special teams coordinator, and at least five special teams only players. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Um, I think, okay. So first of all, we don't even know if they're going to get one of those quarterbacks because the giants are nipping at their heels. They will take one. Although, you know, well, who knows what the Cardinals were doing. We're going to talk about them quickly in a second. Uh, And then if the bears, have one of those picks well they're probably going to take one but they might have two i don't know it's going to be absolute the last month of the season is going to be insane from that perspective but if assuming let's say they aren't dominique in position to get one uh to me that actually makes it like then I feel like you're, you 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 really need someone who can get something out of this offense with I guess a free agent. I don't know. It's it's, it's I mean bleak you take over there. you take it's Harrison right. Let's say you have pick three, and you can't move yeah. up. You take Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. You're a team that hasn't been able to find a, find a receiver forever. Yep, or you trade back. I mean, which is what I think Bill Belichick is more likely to do. But yeah. I mean, putting Harrison into that equation, do you think that solves it? I mean, I guess a, a receiver has fixed a lot of is. offense. Yeah. So you get Harrison and you get a free agent quarterback because I don't think that um, either the guys that they had there right now are a long-term answer. And you think that's enough to make them a Super Bowl contender? I guess it depends on the quarterback. Depends on the quarterback. 
and how good the def- he can return the defense to form at some point. Offensive coordinator know. Ken Dorsey. Just hang it up. You got six. Let him go. Right off into the sunset and stumble drunk out of random people's houses, which I know was a hoax, I, I, but I make guess it a real thing. I'll put a bow on it. I, oh, by the way, Bill Barnwell also had a great column where he he talked about how incestuous Bill Belichick's hiring has been. Oh, I feel like I, that's what you need to do. You need to bring in a bunch of actual fresh voices on both the coaching and the personnel side. And if he's not willing to do that, then I think you move on. Yeah. So I'm kind of splitting the baby there because I'm afraid to say fire Bill Belichick too. Yeah, okay, let's got, finish. You got to say it. Uh, I can't. You can't even bring yourself to say it. You couldn't. You're right. You're right. He won six Super Bowls. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Uh, let's wrap with your, your final winner, and this is one that makes me very happy. All right, my final winner, Kyler Murray. He's back. Him, yeah, he's back, and it was fun. And I think the only way to go with this conversation, so, like, he was good. He wasn't, like, amazing, but coming, considering mm-hmm. that he's just returning from injury, like, he was great with all the context considered on a team that's not that good. He was great in that situation, just returning. The interesting thing about Kyler Murray is I had assumed that there was no decision to be made there, that they were going to try to move Kyler Murray and then draft somebody. So I guess I'm moving off the winner, celebrating Kyler more quickly than probably you wanted to. So I'll give you a second to celebrate him. But the interesting thing is what do the Cardinals do going forward with Kyler Murray under contract for a lot of money and some quarterbacks that people think are can't miss. They're going to be in a fascinating position because we don't know if they're going to right now, you know, it's like they might, I mean, we mentioned a lot of the bad teams. They might not be in position to take one of those quarterbacks. So this all might be moot. Um, And, and moving on from Kyler would have been very expensive. Who knows if they would be able to get a trade. Although if he plays well, makes it more likely they could trade him. Yeah. Um, a lot of cap space next year. They still have a lot of draft capital because they have the Texans pick as well, although that's looking like less likely it'll be a really, really high draft pick, but it's still a ton of draft capital. Uh, and, you know, they're, I think they're starting to figure out kind of who the guys they want to build around are. You know, one player who I thought was awesome in this game, the tight end, Trey McGride, who was, I think, a second round draft pick. Um, so it's like you're starting to say, okay, we got him. We got, you know, the offensive line, Paris Johnson. On defense, David Collins is showing some stuff. Um, we saw Buda Baker. You 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 want to come out of the season with like you know two or three guys on both sides of the ball who are your foundational pieces. I think with Murray, it's still too early to tell uh, how comfortable you feel selecting him over one of those quarterbacks. If you do have those options, and maybe it would take something to move up and go and get them. But I was pretty encouraged by just how good he looked moving. Uh, like you said, it was kind of an up and down game, but you know he had that the the game winning drive and that run. He looked as good as he has ever looked running, and I think that's so encouraging. You also saw him just make a couple, a few throws that were a reminder. Oh, right, this guy has a very special arm talent. Um, yeah, he, 
He's proven yeah. that he can play at a high level in this league. How consistently is another question. Yes. The as much as we love these college quarterbacks, they're still college quarterbacks who could miss. So like that's why this yeah. is interesting to me. And then you take into account the contract considerations. It changes all the dynamics and would Completely. seem like an obvious decision becomes a more difficult one. Definitely makes me more excited to watch the Cardinals every week yeah. the rest of the season. It's also, you know, combined with a different play caller, that was kind of interesting seeing him in a slightly different offense. Um, they did have him still in the gun, but they used decent amount of play action, put him on the move a little bit. It's like, okay, you know, and, and I kind of like some of the, I mean, I mentioned I like McBride. You still have Hollywood Brown. I think Michael Wilson's kind of a fun player. So it's, there's a little bit of spice with that Arizona offense. I want and I want to to me again it's all about progression because he is coming off a huge injury, lengthy absence. If he can show a little bit more week to week, I think as a Cardinals fan, you start to warm up to the idea of moving forward with him. So, um it was really fun to see him back and it was fun to see him back and and kind of shaking off the rust so quickly. So, I'm excited about it. All right, Dominique, I'm still shaking off the rust, but you are not. So, thank you for uh, bringing me back. You are the group yeah, right. uh, heading to my Kyler Murray right now. Oh, so kind. Um, well, appreciate you as usual. So much fun. Listen to my podcast. Bye. Check it out. The Dominique Foxworth show featuring just Dominique Foxworth. No, Charlie Kravitz also. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see he's, you. Not gonna, he's not going to get a feature in though. He ain't going to put his name in the show. That's, that's cool. Cool it, Kravitz. All right. Bye, Mina. He's no Lenny. All right, guys. I will be back later this week with Field Yates. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, too. Talk to you soon.